Hey going, folks, how's it going? I'm Brother Matthew, and this is Christian Coffee Time, where we sit down together to study the Word of God. And today we're going to be picking up where we left off in Luke, Gospel of Luke, chapter 17, and we are up to verse 20. All right, so as we've been seeing, as we've been going through this chapter, there's a fair bit. Now we're talking about the end of days and it's not quite over. We see that uh, in today's study that there's going to be a bunch more. We're going to be talking a bit about it. So we'll see how far we get. Uh, it may or may not be an overly long study today, but we're going to try to finish up the chapter. We'll see what happens. Um, so yeah, if you have any comments, questions, issues, insights regarding the study at hand, then please, by all means, go ahead, ask away. Be glad to hear from you. Now, as we see <clears throat> from the previous study, I took a look at this uh, image that the UN got a hold of, and they call it peace and safety. And we just looked at some biblical correlations, and, it, and it's rather interesting that they have such a thing like that and they're calling it that just like what the bible talks about so we see when we look at the world the things that are going on even from some seeming little things like that may not necessarily be a little thing but uh, how the word of god foretold it the prophecies of scripture we see the word of god fulfilled every time as it spoke about from the from the beginning of days, or the Lord promised uh, the one that would come to stomp uh, stomp the head of the serpent, and we see the prophecy of the Christ Messiah that would come. All the prophets foretold, and it happened just like they said, and that everything that the Lord says comes to pass. And you give it time, it comes to pass exactly to the T, exactly. Not like other world religions, not like you know psychics or whatever that foretell something and it's so generic and it's kind of a generic saying where you could wind up making anything fit now the word of god is very 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 specific and that's the thing about the lord is he's specific about everything he's specific about the gospel like for example we see it's not just a generic just believe in jesus where the lord himself jesus himself even clarifies in um in John chapter 8 verse 24 that if you don't believe that I am you'll die in your sins and we see that interpreted in the by see, uh, translating by the Koine Greek the I am that Jesus says right there in John 8 24 is ego emi meaning the always existing one the Almighty God Jesus says if you don't believe that I'm the Almighty God you're gonna die in your sins so you see specifics about everything the specifics about grace about faith about belief about repentance all these things we see throughout the Word of God, God is hyper-specific. And it's our job to study out the scriptures and to see how this all works, how this all lays out. We go word by word, verse by verse, point by point, and take a look at what it says. So, I hope that uh, as uh, the Word of God talks about the Bereans, the Berean method, I hope that you're studying the Word of God yourself as well. You're taking the time to go over these things study these things out um if you got questions go ahead and ask and uh yeah so make sure you apply yourself to the word of god as well uh, taking a look at the the what the how the why interpretation application demonstration 
interpretation. There is only one interpretation of the Word of God. What it says is what it means. It is not open to personal interpretation. There are multiple applications, but again, what it says what it means. But it can be applied mentally, physically, spiritually, circumstantially. And demonstration is to now apply it to yourself to go live it, speak it, think it, do it. So, so that others would see, hear, and know what the Word of God is about. It would draw them to the truth. So, with that, if you have any comments, questions, issues, insights regarding the study at hand, please, by all means, go ahead, ask away. If it's not related to the topic at hand, if you could just please hold that to the end of the study, and we'll try to get to it then if we have time. Otherwise, just uh, write them down and bring them up in our uh, weekend Q&As. That's when we'll try to get to it. All right, so I hope you got your notepad and pen. Please take a second, go grab your Bible if you can, grab your notepad and pen or whatever it is you take notes with and uh, be ready for this. So again, we're going to be studying a bit about the end of days that the Lord talks about. But firstly, there's a few things we're going to be addressing that the Lord uh, has here to, uh, for us to understand. And yeah, alrighty. So let's get down to it. Okay. Now, <clears throat> we finish up in verse 19, right? Verse 20. And when he was demanded of the Pharisees when the kingdom of God should come. Now, right there. We see that everywhere that Jesus goes, there's these vultures. Uh, the Pharisees, the Sadducees, the Sanhedrin, all of those that just won't leave them alone they won't leave jesus alone they're constantly trying to find ways to fault find trip him up and everything now when we read here in verse 20 and the pharisees asked when the kingdom of god should come you'll remember something that jesus said when he was standing before pontius pilate right after he had been scourged and all this Jesus says, my kingdom is not of this world. For if my kingdom were of this world, then would my servants fight. You see, it's very, very important to read all of scripture. To pay attention to things that Jesus says across the gospels, across the, the whole word of God. Put it, pairing scripture with scripture, rightly dividing the word of truth. Line upon line, precept upon precept. Now, Jesus saying, now this is very specific. My kingdom, now who is Jesus? According to the word of God, specifically, Jesus is the Christ, the mighty God, manifested in the flesh. If you have issues with that, <laughs> you need to go study your Bible. All right, so we see Jesus is the Christ, the mighty God, manifested in the flesh, and almighty Lord God, Jesus Christ, flat out says, My kingdom is not of this world. Can someone tell me, what does that mean? What does that mean? What do you think that means? What do you think that means? My kingdom is not of this world. What do you think that means? Now, while you're getting ready to answer that one, 
we have to then kind of open up the 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 points of the question a little bit and take a look okay but what is what is the kingdom of god what is the kingdom of god because we see in mark 115 let's go back to mark 115 the first message that jesus taught now jesus comes preaching the gospel of the kingdom of god now verse 14 mark 1 14 now after that john was put in prison jesus came into galilee preaching the gospel the good news the gospel of the kingdom of god the gospel of the kingdom of god the gospel what is the gospel the gospel of jesus christ well we know what the gospel of jesus christ is the good news of jesus christ of why he came what he came for what he came to do and how we are saved by his atonement by his sacrifice by his resurrection the gospel of the kingdom of god and mark 1 15 verse 15 and saying the time is fulfilled and the kingdom of god is at hand and the kingdom of god is at hand repent ye and believe the gospel the gospel of the kingdom of god so what's the kingdom of god what is specifically okay so we take mark 1 14 and 15 all right talking about the gospel of the kingdom of god and how to enter the kingdom of god you must repent and believe the kingdom of god okay got that put a bookmark there go back to luke 17 and the pharisee says when when the, they were wondering when would the kingdom of god should come and jesus says in verse 20 and he answered them and said the kingdom of god cometh not with observation neither shall they say lo here or lo there for behold the kingdom of god is within you all right the kingdom of god is within you all right some would say that the kingdom of god is the city of heaven all right is the city of heaven within you no 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 not, not, not quite the, the city of heaven is a part of but what is the kingdom all that which makes up the kingdom now we talked a, a bit about previously about the meaning of faith what is faith faith is the substance of things hoped for the evidence of things not seen now what is the substance of faith when we we sought that out we searched that out we studied that out and we saw that the substance of faith is christ himself the substance of faith is christ himself that god is the faith the kingdom of God is within you. We see John chapter 15, verses 1 to 7. We talk, uh, uh, the Lord talks about how he is the vine and we are the branches. That we, must bear, that, that we must bear fruit. And we see in John 15, 7, If ye abide in me and my words abide in you. If ye abide in me and my words abide in you. Then we see Ephesians 1.13. 
in whom ye also trusted, after that ye heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, in whom also after that ye believed, you were sealed with that Holy Spirit of promise. The indwelling of the Holy Spirit of God, Ephesians 3.17, the Spirit of Christ that dwells in the heart of every believer. Okay? Now, the kingdom of God is within you. What is within us? What is in us? What is inside the believers? We are sealed, Ephesians 4.30, sealed by the Holy Spirit of God. Who is the Holy Spirit of God? That's the Spirit of Christ that dwells in the heart of every believer. God is the kingdom. God is the faith. The kingdom of God is within you. Now, there are so many professed Christians who really monkey up and muddy up this whole understanding, this meaning. They think that the kingdom is of something that is tangible, like a city, a fortress, an actual empire. Much like the Pharisees here, the Pharisees, when they asked, when is the kingdom of God going to come? They were of the mind of an earthly kingdom. You know, like King David fighting the Philistines, fight, fighting all of these, like Joshua coming in and conquering Canaan, and we see establishing an earthly kingdom and an empire. This is what they saw. They, they thought that the kingdom of God was the Messiah was going to come like a conqueror and would destroy the Romans and set up Israel again as a huge empire. That's what the Pharisees believed. That's what they thought. There are Christians, professed Christians, who believe that we are somehow going to get a Christian empire here on earth that, that uh, called the Seven Mountain Mandate, where they believe that somehow in the future that we're going to conquer all aspects of government and society and establish a Christian government, Christian medical system, Christian education, Christian law enforcement, all this kind of stuff. That's not going to happen. I'm sorry to burst your bubble, but that is not going to happen ever. It's not going to happen. The Seven Mountain Mandate is a bunch of nonsense. It's not going to happen. They are not going to be massive, giant, huge, sweeping revivals, entire nations coming to the Lord. That's not going to happen. That would be awesome if it did. That would be awesome. But it's not. The Word of God tells us. Now, we also see something else. A lot of Christians that rise up and, and go into aspects of anarchy and rebellion and they got to fight the government and fight this and try to fight for our rights and all this stuff. No. Again, we see that the kingdom of God cometh not with observation. It is not something you can see. It is not something you can hear. It is not something you can feel. It's not something you can go low here or low there. The kingdom of God is not of this world. The kingdom of God is within you. It is the spirit of Christ, the spirit of almighty God. It's all about the Lord himself. It is not a city. It is not an empire. It is a person. The kingdom of God is the fullness of him. The fullness of him. 
that he is everything. He is the faith. He is salvation. He is holiness, righteousness, power. He is life. He is everything. He is everything that you would need. The kingdom of God is within you. Now, there are then some crazy pathological individuals who take that, the kingdom of God is within you, and they twist that up into some crazy occult-like meaning, thinking that means that I'm a god. No, I'm just... This is so stupid, I'm not even going to spend time on it. No, it does not mean you're a god, or you have god powers, or anything like that, Mr. Kenneth Copeland. You, you need to actually repent of your sin and believe the gospel, or you don't know what you're talking about. It's talking about the Spirit of God himself, Almighty God himself, coming down and sealing us with his Spirit. And the kingdom of God is within you, it is the fullness of the Spirit of God himself. That's what it is. So when we pair scripture with scripture, rightly dividing the word of truth, is what we come to understand. That there is a gospel of the kingdom of God. What is the gospel of Jesus Christ? The gospel of the kingdom of God. The gospel of Jesus Christ. Do you see that? Please tell me you see that. <laughs> Please tell me you understand what that means. So we see here, when we, when we pair scripture with scripture, Luke 17 Verse 20 and 21, you pair with Mark 1, 14 and 15, the gospel of the kingdom of God. Repent ye and believe the gospel for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. The kingdom of God cometh not with observation, the kingdom of God is within you. So you pair that together. You see that the kingdom of God then is Jesus Christ. He is the kingdom. Jesus Christ is the kingdom. It's not over here, over there. All right. So let me know you understand that. And uh, all right. Now, how do we enter the kingdom of God? How are we indwelt by the Holy Spirit of God? There are people now who monkey that up. And, and they don't understand when we are sealed by the Spirit of God. When we enter the kingdom of God. Now, if we go over to Ephesians, see Galatians, Ephesians chapter 1, Ephesians chapter 1. Now, why are we not in the kingdom of God? Before you believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, why are you not in the kingdom of God? Well, because you're a sinner. You're corrupted by sin. And that our sins have separated us from God. Our sins have separated us from God. And that because of our sins, we are condemned in our sins. All have fallen away, all are become corrupt, there's none that doeth good, no, not one. All of our righteousnesses are as filthy rags. So because of this, we are incapable of saving ourselves. For uh, salvation is not by works, it's not by righteous works, it's not by works of the law. So there's nothing that I could do because all of my righteousnesses are as filthy rags, right? And there's nothing that I could possibly do to merit favor with God. So that's why the God saw this, he, he knows this, and that he so loves us, God is not willing that any should perish, so he gave of himself, he came down, and manifested in the flesh as Jesus the Christ, and he went, to, he went uh, to the cross for our sins, he gave himself for our sins because he so loved us. 
he, he paid all the atonement because the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. And without the shedding of blood, there's no remission of sin. So he paid the full price, the full penalty of death and blood. And he was able to do it for all because he is God. He is able to give of himself and come back as the fulfillment and power of eternal life because he is God. Acts 20, 28, God purchased the church with his own blood. And he says, now, believe in me. We are saved by belief. For by grace, unmerited favor of God. The unmerited favor. It's not merited. It's not, it's not a reward. It's not something I have to earn. It's grace. Absence of self, all of him. It's all of his work, his grace. For by grace are you saved through faith. Faith is not works. Faith is believing trust. So by, for by grace are you saved. Saved. Salvation redemption ephesians 1 7 in whom we have redemption through his blood the forgiveness of sins according to the riches of his grace so for by grace are you saved through faith and that not of yourselves it is a gift of god not of works lest any man should boast so titus 3 5 not by works of righteousness that we have done but by his mercy he saved us by the washing of regeneration renewing of the holy ghost this is spirit of God that washes, regenerates, cleanses us. Though your sins be as scarlet, they should be washed whiter than snow. Though they be red like crimson, they should be washed white like wool. What is this washing? John the Baptist says, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. It's the power of the washing of the blood of Christ by the, by the Spirit of God who washes away your sins. It's not water. It's not water. The washing is not Water. Water baptism does not save you. Water baptism does not wash away your sins. It's the cleansing power of the Spirit of God by the blood of Jesus Christ. The, the blood of Jesus Christ, by the power of Christ, by the Spirit of Christ, He regenerates you, redeems you, saves you, cleanses you of your sins. How? By belief alone. By grace through faith. That if it was water baptism for your salvation, that would be a righteous work to earn to gain. Because it is something that I physically have to do. An actual work, an action that I have to do. That's a righteous work. That I have to do this thing. I can't receive X until I do Y. So that's righteous works to earn to gain. Titus 3.5 says it's not by righteous works. It's all of him. It's all of him. His blood, his work, his atonement, his spirit, his washing, his cleansing, his regeneration, his redemption. It's all of him. He did everything that was needed to be done. All you need to do is repent of your sins and believe the gospel. Verse 13, Ephesians 1, verse 13, in whom ye also trusted, believing trust, that's faith, in whom ye also had believing faith in, you could say. And whom ye also trusted, after that ye heard the word of truth. What's that? The gospel of your salvation. The gospel of the kingdom of God. The gospel of Jesus Christ. In whom, Jesus, the person. Also, after that ye believed, believing on the Lord Jesus Christ, and thou shalt be saved. You were sealed with that Holy Spirit of promise. Now go back to Acts 10, 43. Acts chapter 10, verse 43. To him, 
If you back up, see context is Jesus Christ. To him, Jesus Christ, give all the prophets witness that the prophets spoke of the Christ Messiah that would come. We see Isaiah 7, 14, Isaiah 9, 6, Isaiah 53, Micah 5, 2, and Jeremiah 31, 22, all the rest of them. To him gave all the prophets witness that through his name, the name above all names, at whose name every knee will bow and every tongue shall swear, that under heaven there is no other name given among men whereby we must be saved in the name of Jesus Christ, that through his name whosoever believeth in him shall receive remission of sins. Acts 10.43 says your sins are forgiven by belief. Ephesians 1.13 says you're sealed by the Holy Spirit by belief. So your sins are forgiven and you're sealed by the Spirit of God by belief. Not by works, not by any action, not by any religious action. So by grace are you saved through faith by belief alone. So to enter the kingdom of God, you must believe in the gospel of the kingdom of God, the gospel of Jesus Christ. He is the kingdom. He is everything. He is all things. That to be able to stand before the Lord, you must be justified by the righteousness of Christ. You must be cleansed by the blood of Jesus Christ. And how can this occur? How does this happen? What did Paul tell the jailer? Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. Well, how? Romans 10, 9 to 10. You confess the belief of your heart upon him. You believe the full gospel of what Jesus Christ did for you. Understanding what you are as a sinner. You need to repent of your sins. You need to believe the gospel. That without him, there's no way to enter. The presence of God, the kingdom of God. So to enter the presence of God, to be a child of God, be able to stand before the Lord, justified by Christ, your name written down in glory, written in the Lamb's book of life, you must believe the gospel. You must believe the gospel of Jesus Christ, of who Jesus is according to the word of God. Jesus is the Christ, the mighty God manifested in the flesh who was put to death for our sins. Philippians 2, 5 to 8, Christ was found in fashion as a man and he humbled himself unto death, even the death of the cross for us because he so loved us. 1 John chapter 2, verse 2, and he is the atonement for our sins and not for ours only, but also for the sins of the whole world because he is not willing that any should perish. He sees all are fallen away, all are become corrupt. There's none that doeth good, no, not one. But he's not willing that any should perish of this all, of everyone in the world, because he so loves them, all are made in the image of God. See, so made a way so that anyone could be saved. And then this gospel is preached into all the world, so that all are given an opportunity, all are given a chance. He's not willing that any should perish. The fullness of the love of God, for God so loved the world. The sole love of God is the self-sacrificing love of God. Greater love hath no man than this, that a man who lay down his life for his friends, and that's what God did for us. So loved us. And all we must do is believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus, the Christ of Scripture. Repent of our sins, acknowledge that we're sinners, and see how we have separated ourselves from God by our sins. Say, dear Lord, forgive me, save me. And it's not by works, not by righteous works, not by works of the law, but by the faith of Jesus Christ. He is faith. He is the faith. He is the kingdom. He is the salvation. He is the redemption. He is the all things. He is my Savior my savior savior from what my sins so i repent of my sins i reject my sins i see how they're against the righteousness of god 
how they're dragging me to hell. I say, Lord, forgive me of my sins and save me. And he does. Just like that. It's not by works, not by righteous works, not by works of the law. We see the king of the kingdom. The king who is Jesus Christ, the Lord of lords, king of kings, savior of saviors, God above all gods. And in him is life and power and salvation. I see him on the cross. I see the cross. I see the blood. I see my sin. And I believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. And I'm saved from my sins. And dwelt by the Holy Spirit of God. My name written down in glory. And I'm a citizen of the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God is within you. It's Jesus Christ. He is the kingdom. The kingdom of God does not come with observation. Meaning, it's not something that you're going to going to experience of tangibility and physicality. It's not of senses. So many people focus on senses. Well, I don't feel saved. And that has any bearing because it's not about senses. It's not about feelings. It's about a truth. It's about the doctrine of of the gospel it's about the theology of the gospel it's about the truth of the gospel it's about a person what he did it's not about feelings my feelings aren't facts feelings are irrelevant i'm saved because i believe not because i felt i'm saved because i believed not because i did i'm saved because i believed not because i i i worked and i achieved and i maintained and i earned to gain and i kept i keep the law and i do charities and all this and because i atoned what do you atone for nothing it's not because of anything it's not a place it's not any other name it's not any other person it's not anything i could do anything I, I could say or gain or maintain it's nothing it's jesus christ it's all of jesus christ he's the kingdom he's the faith he's the everything and i believe on jesus christ the lord of lords the king of kings he is the kingdom and his spirit seals me and i become the living temple of the kingdom of god for we, are, for we are a royal priesthood a holy nation a peculiar people that should show forth the praises of him who has called us out of darkness into his marvelous light and we become the royal priests of the living temple of the kingdom of god think about that the kingdom of God is within you. This has so much depth, has so much meaning. And we could spend an entire lifetime on just these couple verses right here, talking about this and going over this. But it suffice to say, the kingdom is a person, not a place. The kingdom is a person, not something you achieve. The kingdom is a person. So if you're trying to bring the kingdom of God on earth, you've completely missed the point. And you're overlooking Christ. And you're looking at something completely else. A different gospel. A different purpose. You're trying to achieve physically what he's already done. 
You can't bring righteousness with force. Righteousness comes by faith, by belief. And as Jesus says, if my kingdom were of this world, then would my servants fight. But we are told to turn the other cheek, to love your enemy, to pray for your enemies. We are told to render not evil for evil. We are told to be Christ-like. Christ is not a warrior. He came to preach and teach. He came to bring the gospel. He will say, while the kingdom of God, the servants of God are supposed to fight. No, no, we're not. Jesus even said so. If my kingdom were of this world, then would my servants fight. Think about that one for a moment. What are you fighting for? What are you preaching? What are you doing? What are you seeking to achieve and maintain? Neither shall they say, lo here or lo there, for behold, the kingdom of God is within you. Fear not him which can kill the body, but fear him which can kill both body and soul in hell. You fear God, for he is the kingdom, he is the authority, he is the power. This world is corrupted. This world is damned. This world is going to fall away. And as we see in the word of God, which is always true and always comes to pass, that just as we're told about the kingdom of God, just as we're told about the gospel and the specifics of scripture regarding the gospel of salvation, we're told about specifics about the end of days. We're told what's going to happen. And just as Angela brings up here, she says, my husband says the sun is heating up for the last days, question mark. That would be interesting if it was true. I've heard some, some things about that. I've heard some say it's heating up. I've heard some say it's cooling down. Who knows? All we do know that the word of God says the sun will be darkened. The end, the, and then later on it says at the end that the elements shall melt with fervent heat. What is that? It doesn't say specifically. Some speculate that could be the sun exploding kind of thing and consuming the earth. Who knows? But what we do know is what scripture says here. We move on in verse 22. In verse 22. And he said to his disciples, so he, he answers quickly the Pharisees and just, refuting their nonsense and telling them what it what it actually is. And he turns back to his disciples. Verse 22, And he said to his disciples, The days will come when ye shall desire to see one of the days of the Son of Man, and ye shall not see it. What does that mean? You shall desire to see one of the days of the Son of Man. One of the days. Like, when Jesus was on earth, and the things that he worked, and the things he, he, he did, and that how we see great miracles and signs and wonders. Great powers of God. You shall desire to see the, the, the power of God moving and great, great miraculous things done. And ye shall not see it. Huh? Why? Why indeed? We see it, that in the end there's a great falling away. See, Jesus, we see in context here, he's going to, going on talking about the end of days. We see a great falling away, also known as the great apathy. That there is no faith. The great falling away from doctrine, falling away from theology, falling away from faith in the Lord, falling away from obedience. The great corruption. The great corruption. And because of this, the power of God is removed. 
not salvation. Salvation is not removed. But God removes his hand of power and blessing. And we see, just like today, so many times people saying, well, if God is real, then how come we don't see any signs of God? And we see so many Christians getting disheartened because, well, they pray and pray for, for the hand of God to move and there's no moving. Is it possible then, we see in context of the scriptures here, that one of the signs of the times is the removing of the hand of God and the removing of, of the manifestation of miracles and signs and wonders? And people are desiring to see. They're desiring to experience. They're desiring to know. They, they want to experience signs and wonders and miracles and the supernatural and nothing ever happens. You shall desire to see this, but you shall not see it. Why? You take a look at these individuals. You take a look at their belief. You take a look at their theology. You take a look at their... Uh, their understanding of scripture you see what their gospel is and so many times you see even in churches where they have the right gospel but there's such apathy the great corruption and this corruption causes the hand of god to be removed and we don't see revivals we see churches shutting down. We see Christians caring more about their feelings than theology. We see Christians caring more about entertainment than they do evangelism. We see Christians caring more about the world than the kingdom of God. And because of this, God removes his hand and we see, the, we see a great deadening. Just like the, the, the pages between Malachi and Matthew. The great silence. That for 400 years, God was silent to Israel. That from, from the prophecies of Malachi, that he spoke about the prophet that will come, John the Baptist. That, that from when Malachi finished speaking, there was a great silence from God for 400 years. Until finally John the Baptist came on the scene. Is it possible we're seeing a great silence today? And ye shall not see it. In verse 23, Luke 17, verse 20. And they shall say to you, see here or there. But look over here. Look at this individual. Look at Benny Hinn. He is working signs and miracles. <laughs> that's not of God. Kenneth Copeland, that's not of God. Look over here. Look over there. Look at the great mir miracle revivals and all this over here. That's not of God. Well, how do you know it's not of God? They're preaching of God and they love Jesus. Is it the God of Scripture and the Jesus of Scripture, or is it some other thing? Janice and Jambres, Alimus the Sorcerer, Simon the Sorcerer, and the Witch of Endor, they worked great miraculous signs and wonders and everything too. And we're told in Scripture, false prophets will arise, and false Christs, and, and they will be working signs and wonders as well. But it's not of God. They say, but but behold, over here is the power of God. Look over here is the power of God. But it's not. It's not of God. It's not of God. Simon the sorcerer deceived the people into thinking that he was the great power of God. See here or see there. Go not after them nor follow them. 
Don't look at them. Don't even listen to them. Don't talk to them. Have nothing to do with them. The kingdom of God is not of observation. The people that go angling after signs and wonders completely miss the point. Where their entire faith is based on experiences. That if they're not experiencing, they lose faith. Well, that just means they never had faith to begin with. That their faith is dependent upon observation. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet believe. For they shall say to you, see here or see there. Go not after them, nor follow them. Does that mean that we're not supposed to uh, look at, look for or seek experiences? No, it's not that specifically. It's why. Why do you need? Because it increased my faith and not scripture. Scripture doesn't. That to increase your faith, you have to see and experience and feel and, and participate in something tangible for your faith to be increased. That means you have no faith of scripture. No belief of scripture. You love you love experiences more than doctrine. That your experiences are as deep as your feelings. Your doctrine is, is as deep as your feelings. But as long as you feel good, that means you're close with God. And not by belief alone. First John 5.13, that you may know that you're saved because you believed. And so many people base their doctrines, base their salvation upon their feelings and experiences that when they have a bad day, they say, oh, I must not be saved because I don't feel saved. I feel that God is far from me. But that's not a thing. That's not a thing. For what we will see, if we are alive at the time and we see it, we will see the coming of the Son of Man, the coming of the Son of God. We will see Jesus Christ, and it will be with observation. That, that which you will observe, which is foretold. We were not told that we would for sure observe signs and wonders and that God can and does, but we can't manifest it at will it's not something we control we do not control miracles and signs and wonders just that god can does when he wills but that which is told that will be observed and that that is foretold that will happen is the coming of the Son of Man. We're told to look forward, to look to the arrival of Christ, that Christ will come again. We were told of the signs of the times, things that we do observe as wars, rumors of wars, pestilences and famines and plagues and, and all these other things, the great falling away. We were told of all this, that earthquakes in diverse places and, and, the, and the love of many shall wax cold, the great apathy, and that we were told of, of the one world government, one world economy, how this all will come together. We were told of the end of days, the signs, signs of the times, and also we were told, verse 24, for as the lightning that light lighteneth out of one part under heaven shineth unto the other part under heaven, so shall also the, uh, the Son of Man be in his day. Like lightning. Lightning is quite unobservable, isn't it? Like, it's really hard to see lightning. Like, you, you, hear a, you hear a crack of thunder, and you, but you didn't see the light. Like, lightning is hard to see. It's quite hidden. 
it's kind of secretive it's quite it's quite hard to get photos of it it's quite hard to get videos of it that that when it flashes it's really really dim hardly lightning just as a big bolt of lightning just streaks across the sky it grabs everyone's attention you can't miss it even if your back is turned to it the flash is so bright it makes you jump and then there's the crack and boom we see lightning grabs everyone's attention everyone sees it everyone feels it when it's close everyone knows there's been a big bolt of lightning then it makes you jump sometimes it makes you run and hide doesn't it if if lightning strikes really really close if you, if a big bolt of lightning were to strike in your front yard you'd jump and run it startles you in verse 24 and just as lightning streaking across the sky, so shall also the Son of Man be in his day. What does that mean? All eyes will see him. You can't miss him. All eyes will see him. This is observable. Low here, low there. This is where he is. You can't miss him. All eyes will see him. How will that work? Everybody around the world, everyone will see him. Ow. well it's also a supernatural thing that that when our lord appears in the sky it's not going to be this tiny little little speck thing no it's going to be boom there he is and it's going to grab everyone's attention cars are going to come screeching to a halt all news stations are going to be focused on this all nations everywhere in the world it doesn't matter where you are what you are what's going on it will grab your attention and you will be running you will see this low here he is in the sky and as it says the people that men's hearts will fail them for fear people will be running for the hills people will be screaming upon the rocks to fall on them because they because here is god almighty richard dawkins will have a heart attack This is observable. This is foretold. This is what we look forward to. We don't look to signs and wonders. We look to the coming of the Son of God. We look to our Master coming back. If you're so focused on experiences, you're not focused on Christ. If you're so focused on feelings, you're not focused on Christ. If you're so focused on tangibility and physicality, you're not focused on Christ. If you're focused on your feelings, you're not focused on Christ. As we see in Revelation chapter 1, verse 7, Revelation chapter 6, verses 12 to 17, 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, verses 1 to 4, foretells about the about the second coming of Christ. When he comes again and we are taken up to him, the, the rapture, the gathering of the saints, that scripture specifically speaks of. Our eyes are to be focused on him. Working, waiting, faithful till he comes again. When he comes, will he find you watching? Will he find you waiting? But first, as Jesus here, as we see, 
But before any of this can happen, as Jesus says in verse 25, but first, the Son of Man, the Son of God, but first he must suffer many things or be rejected of this generation. But before any of that can happen, there's something else that must happen first. Something that was foretold, that is tangible, physical, observable, that is something that's going to happen. What is this thing that is going to happen? Well, about 750 years before Jesus, we see the prophet Isaiah giving the prophecy of Isaiah 53. 750 years before Jesus, the prophet Isaiah foretold of the Christ Messiah that would come. He'd be born of a virgin. He'd be called the mighty God. He'd be rejected of all. He'd be, he'd be beaten. He'd be taken from prison and from judgment. He'd be put to death for our sins. They'd pierce his hands and his feet. And, and, and as it says in Isaiah 53, his days will be prolonged, meaning he'll be resurrected. We see long before Isaiah, we see David writing about the cross. Uh, they pierce his hand, his feet, and they they even ca they cast lots upon his vesture. They remember the soldiers gambled for his garment. They foretold of all the details of this thing. We we're told how he would come, where he would come, and when he came, what he would do about his his identity, his personal identity, and everything. And how he must suffer. Christ must suffer first. And that which is observable, that which is testable, able, able to be seen, observed, able to be felt, able, able to, be, to, to be experienced, was that which Christ is coming to fulfill. Verse, verse 25, he must suffer and be rejected. Just as Isaiah the prophet said in chapter 53. In verse 26, Jesus says, but, but first, this is what must happen. As, I, as he told his disciples many times before, that how he'll be, he'll be betrayed into the hands of sinful men and they'll put him, put, the, put him to death. But on the third day, he'll rise again. He told his disciples that this would happen. So he says, before the end of days, before the end of days and all these crazy things that are going to happen, this must happen first. And then he switches back to the end of days again. Verse 26. That what are some things that are observable that you should be looking for the signs of the times? What will it be like? What will it be like? Verse 26. As it was in the days of Noah. So we see Noah is a signpost we see what happened with noah what the world is like was with noah and what noah did what noah observed what noah experienced as it was in the days of noah so shall it be also in the days of the son of man that christ coming back it that the days that society everything that that's going to be going on is just like as in the days of noah what did they do as it was in the days of Noah, so shall it be also in the days of the Son of Men. They did eat, they drank, they married wives, they were given in marriage until the day that Noah entered into the ark, and the flood came and destroyed them all. Well, well hold up. Well, one second. Well, what's wrong with eating? What's wrong with eating and drinking and marrying and giving in marriage? Nothing. There's nothing wrong with that. But what is this signifying? They ate, they drank, they married, gave him marriage to the day that Noah entered in the ark. 
Where is God? Where is worship? Where is faith? Where are the saints mentioned? What we see is such a hyper focus on just tangibility. Focusing on just your day to day, your year to year, your job, your family, and everything else, and that there's no thought of God. Just as in the days of Noah, if you go back to Genesis 6, 7, 8, 9, we see, as it says, that God was not in all their thoughts. A complete rejection of the Lord and a, com and a complete acceptance and hyper focus of worldliness, of tangibility, physicality, experiences, and senses. You're right, Mary. Godlessness. You're right, Angela. They were distracted. God was not in all their thoughts. God was nowhere to be found until Noah entered the ark. Right, Raoul. They were doing their own thing, and there's no thought of God. Likewise, verse 28, Luke 17, verse 20, likewise also as it was in the days of Lot, Sodom and Gomorrah, as it was in the days of Lot, they did eat, they drank, they bought, they sold, they planted, they builded. But the same day that Lot went out of Sodom, it rained fire and brimstone from heaven and destroyed them all. That God was not in all their thoughts. And we go back and we take a look at Sodom and Gomorrah. It was as in the days of Noah. A great abomination and filth and debauchery and godlessness and faithlessness and just focusing on self and selfishness and violence was in all the earth and God was not in all their thoughts. A complete, complete, complete turning over to flesh. A complete turning over to the world. A complete, utter turning over to physicality, materialism, and tangibility. Psalms 9:17, the wicked shall be turned to hell and every nation that forgets God. That when God is removed, what happens? Well, you know, I just saw yesterday an interesting article in the news. As we see in, in, in the United States, that they're working on trying to turn over Roe versus Wade. What that means is the, uh, the bill that was passed that legalized abortion. So they're trying to overturn this to, to make, uh, to, uh, make abortion illegal. Well, the state of California has put forward a statement that if Roe versus Wade is overturned, that California will become a safe state and will even pay uh, and provide financial support for transportation, lodging, and all abortion services for free to anybody who wants an abortion. What does that show? That the moment that godlessness comes in, the knee-jerk reaction, the immediate go-to is child murder, child sacrifice. Just like the Canaanites, just like Sodom and Gomorrah, just like uh, the days of Noah. We see an utter rejection of God, murder, violence, godlessness, abomination, filth, debauchery, and, and uh, hyper-focusing on only, only, only physicality controlled by devils. Doesn't it sound like today? Until it rained fire and brimstone. Now, we see that with, uh, with the days of Noah, God brought the flood. He promised never to flood the earth again like that. He did not promise that he wouldn't burn it. Now, what are we told in Revelation that will happen in the end of days? The fire of the wrath of God. 
the world will be consumed by fire yet again. Now look what it says. But the same day Lot went out of Sodom, it rained fire and brimstone from heaven and destroyed them all. Even thus shall it be in the day when the Son of Man is revealed. Now, what are we told is going to happen? When is this going to occur? The word of God is very specific. Very specific. About what to look forward to. We see in 2 Thessalonians. Let's go over to 2 Thessalonians chapter 2. 2 Thessalonians chapter 2 verses 1 to 4. Now we beseech you brethren by the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. The coming of the Son of Man. The arrival of Christ. And by our gathering together unto him. The rapture. That ye be not soon shaken in mind or be troubled, neither by spirit nor by word nor by letter as from us. That that uh, not it does not come with observation. Don't say it's over here or over there. We are told specifically what to look for. That how it's going to happen. That it doesn't matter what anyone else says. Any letter, personal opinion, personal experience, visions, dreams, it's all irrelevant. Don't be shaken in mind or troubled. You look only at the word of God, that the day of Christ is at hand. Let no man deceive you. It doesn't matter what anyone else says. Well, I had a vision. I had a dream. And I saw this and that the, that the rapture is going to happen here. And this is what's going to happen. It doesn't matter. Don't be shaken by what anyone else says. Let no man deceive you by any means. For that day, the coming of the Son of God, that day, the arrival of Christ, shall not come except there come a falling away first. Look what it says. Verse 3. 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 3. That the, the second coming of Christ will not occur until a couple things happen first. We are told this specifically, the specifics of Scripture. It does not matter what anyone else says. It doesn't matter what any other book or any other author, any other preacher, or any other so-called self-professed prophet or apostle or whatever. It doesn't matter. What does the Bible say? That the second coming of Christ will not happen except there come a falling away first. Now, what is this? The great apathy. Now, are we told how long the great falling away will be? No, we are not told actually how long that this period of the great falling away will occur for. But some point during, some point during the great falling away, as it says, except they're coming a falling away first, and that man of sin be revealed. Now, what's the man of sin? Who is the man of sin? What's this? That's that's the Antichrist. Now, we are told about the Antichrist specifically in the Word of God. Things to look for. Things that he will do. How he will set himself up. Where to look for him. We are told the specifics and the details in the Word of God. Are people always asking, how can we know? How can we know? Is this? Is this? Is this? But they won't study the Word of God. Don't say, low here or low there. Look at the Word of God. It's not, it's not visions, dreams, experiences, and other books. It's the word of God. What does it say? Where he will come out of. What he will do. What he'll look like. What he will say. How he will conquer with flatteries. 
this man of sin will be revealed, the son of perdition. That means the son of condemnation. Who opposeth and exalteth himself above all that is called God. He will oppose God vehemently. He will hate, hate the God of Scripture. And he will promote this God-hate. He will promote godlessness. He will promote faithlessness. He will, he will promote sin and abomination. He will, he will be a Democrat. I'll just say it. I'll just say it. He, he will be everything that is of that platform. He will be atheistic. He will be everything that is sin and abomination and God-hate. He'll be for all sins. He opposes. And look what he says. And exalteth himself. He will exalt himself as a God. He will teach that you are a God. You're the God of your own life. You're the God of your own home. You're the God of your own experiences. You are your own authority. He will exalt himself above all that is called God. He will call himself Almighty God. He will come on the scene saying that he is Almighty God. Or that is worshipped and that he should be worshipped. To listen to his voice. What he says is law. What he says is authority. What he says is the word of God. He will call himself the word of God. Or that is worship. So that he, as God, sits in the temple of God. Now hold up, hold up, hold up. Second Thessalonians chapter 2, verses 1 to 4. Look what it says. The second coming of Christ will not occur until these things happen first. It doesn't matter what denominationalism says. It doesn't matter what catechism say. It doesn't matter what any other preacher or book says. It doesn't matter, doesn't matter, doesn't matter, doesn't matter. The Bible says right here, doesn't matter what you think. It doesn't matter what I think. The Bible says right here that the coming of the Son of God, the second coming of Christ, will not happen until this guy, this Antichrist, is sitting in the third temple calling himself God. That's what it says. What does that then mean? Do you know what that insinuates? That then means there'll be peace in the Middle East. Well, how do you know that? Because the third temple is built. There's, there's absolutely no way on this earth that you're going to be able to build the third temple until you've made peace in the Middle East. So this guy is going to come on scene. He's going to, he's going to unite the world under one mind, under one spirit, under one power, under one world authority, of a one world government, of a one world religion, and he's going to make peace in the Middle East. He's going to be speaking of a peace pact in the Middle East so that the third temple can be built. And when the third temple is built, he's going to sit in this thing and he's going to call himself God. Be not shaken in mind or be troubled by spirit or by word or by letter from us that the day of Christ is at hand, but let no man deceive you by any means. For that day, the second coming of Christ, shall not come except the come of falling away first and the man of sin be revealed. We will be here. The specifics of the word of God. You and I 
if we're alive at the time, that, that we will still be here and we will see this guy step up on, on the world stage and, and bring all this to pass before Christ comes again. Before Christ comes again. It's what it says. It's what it says. And we go over to Revelation chapter 6 verses 12 to 17. Revelation chapter 6 verses 12 to 17. And I beheld when, when he had opened the sixth seal, and lo, there was a great earthquake, and the sun became black as sackcloth of hair, and the moon became as blood, and the stars of heaven fell unto the earth, even as a fig tree casteth her untimely figs when she is shaken of a mighty wind, and the heaven departed as a scroll when it is rolled together, and every mountain and island were moved out of their places, and the kings of the earth, and the great men, and the rich men, and the chief captains, and the mighty men, and every bondman, every free man hid themselves in the dens, and in the rocks, and the mountains, and said to the mountains and rocks, Fall on us and hide us from the face of him that sitteth on the throne and from the wrath of the Lamb. For the great day of his wrath is come, and who shall be able to stand? And this is Second Thessalonians 2, 1-4. This is what happens when Christ comes. The sun is darkened and the moon is turned to blood and the stars fall from heaven and there is earthquakes. This is how every eye will see him. That's what it says. We go back to Luke. Go back to Luke. For as lightning that lighteth from one part of the heavens to the other, so shall be the coming of the Son of Man. And all these things will happen. And he says, even thus when the Son of Man is revealed, when the Son of Man is revealed, when the Son of God is revealed in the sky, this is what happens through everything. All the signs, all that which is observable, all that which can be felt, this is what's going to happen. And when this happens, when Christ appears in the sky, and all of this, and the sun is darkened, and the moon is turned to blood, and the stars fall, and the earthquakes, and all this stuff's going on in that day, he which shall be on the housetop, and it, and it, and his stuff in the house, let him not come down and take it away. He that is in the field, let him let him likewise not return back. When you see this happening, don't go running, don't go trying to prepare, because there's nothing you can do. You can't prepare for this. Other than believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and I shall be saved. But there's nothing physically that you can do about this. You can't hide from it. You can't run from it. You can't bury yourself in anything. The rocks can't hide you. Remember Lot's wife. Jesus says something very interesting. One line here. One line here. Verse 32. Remember Lot's wife. Remember Lot's wife. What can you learn from Lot's wife? Well, what happened? Well, when uh, Lot and his family are in Sodom and Gomorrah, and we see that we see God come down and a, and a couple of his angels, and they they walked up to to Abraham and sat down and had dinner with Abraham. How cool is that? I've always thought that that is just the coolest thing ever. That is just the best thing ever. Like, could you imagine? He's sitting at home. You're by yourself. Just you and just you and your spouse. You're just sitting at home, just kind of twiddling your thumbs. You're just looking around, just thinking of the day. And all of a sudden, you see three strangers walking up to your house. And these strangers walk up and knock on the door, and you invite them in, and they come in, and they sit down, and you prepare some food for them. And you come to realize that this is God and two angels. That come for dinner. <laughs> That's pretty cool. 
that's pretty cool anyways i digress so we see and those two angels then went over to sodom and gomorrah and they went to to, to get lot and his family out of the city because god is going to pour his wrath upon the city now this is key this is key noah and the flood they were not rescued before any of the preparing of the flood that they were rescued from the flood at the moment of the flood the wrath of god that that they weren't taken out long before or when the signs of the events of it no they were taken out just as the wrath of god was falling lot and his family were removed from the city just as the wrath of god was falling we see this again in the word of god that the rapture the gathering of the saints occurs just as the wrath of god is falling it's not called pre-trib it's not called mid-trib it's not called post-trib it's called pre-wrath according to the word of god it's pre-wrath that we will if we're here we will see the antichrist we will see him establishing the one world government we will see him establish peace in the middle east we will see them build the third temple and we will see this this man of sin step up in the temple and sit sit in the temple call himself god that's when the sun is dark and the moon is turned to blood the stars fall from heaven and the son of man appears in the clouds and all these events and stuff happens and then we are taken up not before the antichrist not before the third temple it's pre-wrath remember lot's wife now this line about remembering lot's wife as we as we see here about the wrath of god that's falling on sodom and gomorrah that Lot as his family were taken by the angels out and they were told specifically, do not look back. Do not look back. Now, what is the context here of why? The saints have nothing to do with the wrath of God. We will not experience the wrath of God. We will not go through the wrath of God. We are rescued from the wrath of God. Now, what is the wrath of God brought upon? Why is the wrath of God falling? What has brought upon itself the wrath of God? The sin and abomination, the filth and disgusting vileness of this world. What did Lot's wife do? What were they told not to do? To have fellowship with this world they are that we are told that, uh, to not to not to uh, to go after the things of this world to love this world the sin of this world lot's wife looked back longingly she loved sodom and gomorrah she loved sodom and gomorrah she missed sodom and gomorrah she wanted to live in sodom and gomorrah she enjoyed sodom and gomorrah and she was turned into a pillar of salt now what so what is the application with this as we see in the word of god about the saints that that some some of the 
uh, tells of of that uh, of how to know that you're saved is there are certain things that will manifest a love of righteousness a hate of iniquity love of the brethren a love of the holiness of god we are told a love of the conviction of the word of God that there will be conviction of sin the spirit of God will be manifesting upon you to give you understanding the word of God that you'll love righteousness and hate iniquity the Lot's wife showed none of that she wanted to go back Lot's wife was not saved there is many that in that day that will cry Lord Lord and it will, they will appear to be saved they will seem to be saved but they're not that they it will seem that they can stand with the saints but when the wrath of god comes they'll be turned into pillars of salt they'll be destroyed the the great it, it's the great purging that we see the wheat and the tares are all mixed together the lord knows who the tares are lot's wife was a tear she was removed she was removed she will not uh, she was not going to be rescued with the rest of them she did not have the conviction of the spirit of god she did not have the love of righteousness she loved iniquity she longed for sodom and gomorrah she didn't long for the lord she didn't long for the righteousness of god she looked back longingly and was turned into a pillar of salt remember lot's wife Verse 33, whosoever shall seek to save his life shall lose it, and whosoever shall lose his life shall preserve it. You try to run from the Lord, you try to escape these things that the Lord says, you try to find ways around the word of God, you try to hide yourself from the righteousness of God, he will seek you out, he will find you, and there will be judgment. The Lord knows those, of his, those which are his. He knows those which are his. Verse 34, I tell you that, it, that in that night there should be two men as that we see that we see uh, the Lord using a picture of servants where you see the, ser the the servant buildings where they would all where they would do their work and they all go back into the big main buildings, the servants quarters where they're doing work and then they go and they and, and it shows them that they're sleeping the two in one bed the one shall be taken the other shall be left two women will be working that they're milling the flour right grinding flour the two women grinding, grinding together one shall be taken and the other left two men shall be in the field and one shall be taken and the other left lot was taken and his wife was left the husband will be taken the wife left the wife will be taken the husband will be left the two parents will be there the children will be taken the parents left you'll be at work co-workers will be taken others will be left all of a sudden the wheat are separated from the tares two men shall be in the field the one shall be taken the other left and suddenly suddenly as if there wasn't enough chaos the sun is dark and the moon is turned to blood the stars fall from heaven there's earthquakes in diverse places there's a huge worldwide earthquakes islands disappear 
because the shaking and islands disappear. Islands are separated and there's huge earthquakes and there's chaos. The Son of God is in the sky. All I see him like a flash of lightning. There he is. The, the heavens are ripped open. There he is. All of heaven is, is just staring down upon you and all this chaos. And all of a sudden, people are just vanishing. And then it's gone. And then it's gone. A stillness. There's a stillness. Everybody be wondering what in the world just happened. But guess who is on the scene? The Antichrist. Satan himself manifested, there he is, in bodily form, Lucifer himself, sitting in the third temple, calling himself God. And then he moves with the, with the power of hell and disperses a lie. The father of lies conjures up the lie of all lies and deceives the whole world into following him, believing him, worshiping him, and he makes excuses, and he makes up some crazy uh, conspiracy lie to deceive the world, and that it's not what they think, there is no other God, I'm God alone, he'll say, and he'll move the world in a great delusion that they will believe the lie. They will believe the lie. This is what is going to happen. But as the Lord, as the Lord said before all of this, this is going to happen. You can't escape it. There will be a great separation. There will be the great purging. And the, all these things will happen. It was foretold and it will come to pass. These specific, specific things are going to happen. Repent and believe the gospel. For the kingdom of heaven is at hand. The kingdom of heaven is within you. And it's the spirit of Christ. Look to Jesus Christ. He can rescue you. He will save you. He will deliver you. He will save you from the wrath to come. What of the wrath of God that is going to come? Are you going to be left in the field? Are you going to be left on the rooftop? Are you going to be one of those left behind? You'll be in the kitchen making dinner. You're with your spouse. You turn around. They're gone. They're just gone. And you're left behind. Are you going to be left behind? Or are you going to be in the kitchen making dinner? And then you're, you're just straining the pot and all of a sudden... You're standing in front of the Lord in the clouds. Where are you going to be when the Lord comes again? One other thing I want to mention. The second coming of Christ is not imminent. The second coming of Christ is not imminent. There are so, so many People who think that the second coming of Christ is imminent, we could be raptured at any second, any moment, any second now. No. The day of Christ is at hand, but he shall not come except these things happen first. 
It is not imminent because the man of sin has not been revealed yet. It is not imminent because the third temple isn't built yet. It is not imminent because the man of sin, the Antichrist, hasn't claimed to be God yet. There isn't peace in the Middle East yet. There isn't a one world government, one world economy yet. There isn't an Antichrist and false prophet yet. It is not imminent. We still have lots of work to do. We still have lots of work to do. People are looking at the imminent arrival of Christ as a form of escapism. So they can escape all of these things that are coming down the road that will be brought in when the Antichrist comes on the scene. Now, at the horrible, horrible, horribleness of society, they're looking for escapism. Lot was pulled out right before the wrath of God fell. Noah and his family were rescued right before the wrath of God fell. We will be taken out right before the wrath of God comes down. When does the wrath of God come down? After, after the great, the, the great falling away. After the man of sin is revealed. After the peace of the Middle East. After the one world government, one world economy is established. After the false prophet is brought on. After the third temple is built. After he sits in the third temple and calls himself God. That's what the Bible says. And anyone else telling you otherwise is contradicting the scriptures. The specifics of the word of God, you can't get around it. That's what it says. The specifics of what is the kingdom of God. The specifics of how to enter the kingdom of God. The specifics of how to be born again saved. The specifics of, of when the Son of God is going to come. The specifics of how, of how this world is going to be when he comes. The specifics of what to look for, of the signs of the times, these kinds of things. What does the word of God say? The specifics of what is scripture, the specifics of what is what what is the gospel. The specifics of who is Jesus according to the word of God alone. Jesus is the Christ, the mighty God manifested in the flesh. That's what the word of God flat out clearly says. It's what it clearly, clearly teaches. The specifics. The specificity of scripture. Passes so many. They study everything else. They study their feelings, their opinions. They study commentaries and catechisms. They study uh, religious traditionalism. They study their, their, their opinions in every other wind of doctrine. But they don't study the word of God. They, people say, look low here or low there, but do not go there. Do not look at that. What does the word of God say? The kingdom of God cometh not without observation. Because the kingdom of God is within you. The kingdom of God is the spirit of God. The spirit of Christ that dwells in the heart of every believer. And how can this happen? What did Jesus say? Repent and believe the gospel for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. That we go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. We tell them, we warn them, see, look, this is what the scripture says, what the Lord says, the specifics of the word of God. God who cannot lie said this. God who fulfilled the prophecy said this. Just as the prophets were the prophets of the Old Testament, were Old Testament evangelists and missionaries. And Jesus told us to go into all the world and, and, and warn them. Warn them. Warn them of the wrath to come. Warn them 
how their sins separate them from God and how they need to be born again saved. God so loves them, he prepared a way for them. That It's not about religion. It's not about religiosity. Religion's horrible. Religion is horrible. Faith is something else. The faith of Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ is something else. Jesus Christ is, is the only way of salvation. The, the only way, the truth, and the life. It's not about what I do, but what he's already done. What he did on the cross for me. He paid the price for me. He shed his blood. He died, was buried, rose again the third day for me. Because he so loved me. He did all the work. And all that I must do is believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. Saved from what? Saved from the condemnation of my sin. Saved from the wrath of God as the judge upon sin. Remember Lot's wife. It's not about what I do or what I think. It's not about what I work. It's not about works. It's not about righteous works. It's not about works of the law. Ephesians 2, 8, 9 is not about works. Titus 3, 5 is not by righteous works. Galatians 2, 16 is not by works of the law. It's about the faith of Jesus Christ. It's about the grace of God. For by grace are you saved through faith. Saved from what? The great condemnation. We're saved from the wrath of God. When we stand before the Lord on that day, He will open up the books and we will hear those blessed words, Name found written. Our names are written down in glory. Whosoever shall seek to save his life shall lose it. You seek to save your own life, you're going to lose it. Many in that day will cry, Lord, Lord, have we not done many wonderful works in thy name? Have we not prophesied in thy name? Have we not cast out devils in thy name? But it's not by works, not by wor not righteous works, not by works of the law. Nowhere do they say, have we not believed in thy name? They were depending on their religiosity, their traditionalism. They were depending on their denominationalism. They were depending on their charity and their good works and their righteous works and their law keeping to save them. They sought to save their own life. They will lose it. Whosoever shall lose his life shall preserve it. They give up and surrender to the Lord to repent of your sins and believe the gospel that it's nothing of you, it's all of him. Nothing of you, it's all of him. Whosoever shall lose his life shall preserve it. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. You see, those that are crying, Lord, Lord, nowhere were they trusting in grace alone. They are trusting in their works. They were seeking to save themselves. They shall be taken and the other left. The tares and the wheat. The Lord knows those which are his. And he will, he will take his own to be with him. Just as the Lord said. Just as the Lord promised. I see the Lord sa says, I, I go and prepare a place for you. That where I am there ye may also be. Go to John chapter 14 verse 3. John chapter 14 verse 3. Actually, verse 2. In my father's house are many mansions. Now, what does that mean? I just as a rabbit trail, just as a rabbit trail, just just because 
There are many people who think when they read this that this means I'm going to get my own huge palace. I'm going to have a palace just for me. A huge mansion just for me. Nope. That's not what that means. That's not what that means. The word mansions in the Koine Greek means rooms. In my father's house are many rooms. You're not going to get your own house. We're going to be dwelling in someone else's house. Your children, if you are a parent and you have children, do they have their own house? Or they live separate outside of your house? Do they live in someone else's, uh, some other house? No. They have a room in your house. He's our father. We're his children. We have our own rooms in his house. In my father's house are many rooms, is what that means are many rooms if it were not so i would have told you i go and prepare a place for you and if i go and prepare a place for you i will come again and receive you unto myself that where i am there ye may be also you see that now and as katie puts out here about the second coming is not the rapture well i disagree because the bible flat out says you need to go and read 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, verses 1 to 4. <clears throat> About the arrival of Christ. Now, there is a difference between the, se the second coming and the second arrival. Now, what you call it. But there's Christ comes in the clouds, and then when Christ comes and descends down upon the, upon the, the, uh, the, the mount, and he enters into the city. That's the second arrival. That's the second arrival. The second coming is when he comes in the clouds. And when he comes in the clouds, when he comes in the clouds... All eyes will see him. We are gathered up to him. That's what scripture flat out says. To disagree with that, you're disagreeing with scripture. I'm just saying, look. Um, now, as we see here, if you want to know more about Revelation, please go watch our series on the book of Revelation with Pastor Paul. He's an excellent scholar and theologian, a specialist on Revelation. He put together an entire walkthrough of the book of Revelation, verse by verse, by point by point. And uh, go listen to that. You'll see, see what it says. And that what I'm showing you is what Scripture flat out says. So I disagree, Katie. I'm sorry. You're wrong. You need to go and study the Word of God. And so as we see here, the Lord puts, uh, puts out one final point. We see in verse 37. And he talks about how we'll gathered, we'll be gathered, we'll be taken out, we'll be taken away. And his disciples turned to Jesus. Verse 37, the answer said to him, Where, Lord, where will we be taken? Where will we be taken? And he said unto them, Wheresoever the body is, thither will the eagles be gathered together. Where the body is, the body, the body of Christ, the person of Christ, where he is, we will go to be where he is. And where will he be? Where will he be? Whithersoever the body is, there the eagles will be gathered together. That's Isaiah 40, verse 31. Let's go back to Isaiah 40, verse 31. Isaiah 40, verse 31 says, But they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. They shall run and not be weary, and they shall walk and not faint. You see that? So that the the word the picture there as that they should be mounted up with wings as eagles just a kind of a a picture there how we'll be gathered like eagles we will soar up to be with him 
will soar up to be with him. We'll be taken up, gathered up. He'll be in the clouds, we'll be taken up. So you see, that also does away with the whole uh, uh, all millennialism, and it does away with the post-trib thing, and all of that kind of stuff. We're taken up before the wrath of God is poured out. We're taken up to be with him. The wrath of God is poured out, and then all of this. And then he comes down uh, uh, later upon the mount at the end there, and um, that we see that Satan is bound and cast in the bottomless pit, and then we see the millennial reign of Christ. That's what scripture shows. The specifics of scripture overdo and supersede catechism and denominational distinctives. What the word of God flat out says. There are so many people who try to preach opinions and denominational catechism. Well, this is because we are this or we're this and we believe this and this is why. But they contradict the specifics of the word of God. What does the word of God flat out say? Now... As you see, many people will will hate upon the Word of God. They'll they'll mock the Word of God. They'll hate the specifics of Scripture because they have not the, the Spirit of God in them, and they mock God. They hate God. Now, what does the Word of God flat out say? What are the specifics of Scripture? What is what are the specifics? It says flat out who Jesus Christ is. It says flat out what he came to do. It says flat out how we are born again saved and the specifics of how to be born again saved. It says specifically how it's not by works and works have nothing to do with it. It specifically says what the church is supposed to focus upon and how the kingdom of God is not of this world. It specifically says what to look for as the signs of the times of the end of days. It specifically says on, 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 what, on what exactly is going to happen before the Son of God comes in the sky, in the clouds. It specifically tells us where the Antichrist will come from. It specifically tells us all these details, everything we need to know, if we would just study the Word of God. And the Word of God supersedes opinions. It supersedes catechisms. It supersedes commentaries. It supersedes visions and dreams and feelings and everything else. It supersedes what I think. It supersedes what you think. We need to study the Word of God. We need to be humble enough to accept the Word of God over our own opinions and not be so prideful as to try to twist Scripture to fit our own personal narratives. What does the Bible say? What does it say? Sin is still sin. Jesus Christ is still God. The cross is rugged. The blood still flows. We're saved by grace through faith through belief alone. And the word of God is the final absolute authority in all aspects of faith and practice of faith. And if you have an issue with any of that, you have an issue with the word of God. What does it say? What does it say? So again, there's an answer for everything in the Word of God. There's an answer for everything. I'm not the answer. You're not the answer. Denominational distinctives and catechisms and commentaries are not the answer. Other books and other people and other feelings and visions and dreams are not the answer. What the words on the page flat out say without contradicting any other set point. That if my theories, if my doctrines, if my theologies in any way, shape, or form, contradict any other set point of Scripture, then I'm wrong. Scripture is right. 
If one single verse, if one passage contradicts a supposed ideology, doctrine, teaching, theology, whatever, then all of those things are wrong and the word of God is true. I do not, do not interpret scripture by other things. These things do not interpret scripture. Scripture interprets itself. It stands alone. It stands alone on the shelf. It stands alone as the authority. No other word, no other feeling, no other opinion, no other doctrine, no other teaching, nothing else. What this says, what this says. If ye abide in me, my words abide in you. So what do we take from this? What do we take from this? Be ready. Be ready. Watch in prayer. The kingdom of God cometh not with observation. Neither shall they say, Lo here or lo there, for behold, the kingdom of God is within you. And we take the kingdom of God as mobile temples, like tabernacles in this wilderness. This is what we are. We're mobile tabernacles. The Spirit of God living inside of us. And he says, go into all the world and preach the gospel until I call you home. You stay busy with this work that I have given you. You show them. You tell them. First Peter 3.15 But sanctify the Lord God in your heart and be ready always to give an answer to those who come and ask you. As you give answers of faith about the kingdom of God. You tell them about Jesus Christ. You tell them about the cross. You tell them about the blood. You tell them about the resurrection. You tell them about the word of God. You tell them what Christ has said until I call you home. And you keep busy. You keep preaching. You keep working. You keep teaching until I call you home. But be not deceived. Let no man deceive you. But that day shall not come. I will not come until these things are done first. Is what the word of God flat out says. And there are so many people say, yeah, well, I think, I believe. No, I know it's not that. It's this. This is going to happen first. No, that's not what the Bible says. Flat out, that's not what it says. It's not what it says. When the hand of God moves... And we, and we see these things fulfilled. And the Lord removes his hand and allows all these powers and these things to come in. He who now letteth will, he, he who now letteth will let. When the restrainer, when, when, the, when the hand of God is removed and all these things are allowed to come in and allowed to be, allowed to be fulfilled. God is holding all these things back until a set point. He says, you know what? It's time. And he removes his hands. And all these things come in. All these things occur. No man knows the day nor the hour. Only God only. But are you prepared for that day? Watch the news. One of these days, one of these days, we're going to see an individual being promoted across media, across the news, across all social media. This guy, this guy, the, all the world will love him. All the world will love him. He will have this power and this authority. And people will be just going after him in droves. 
nations and societies and cultures and people will just be uh, angling after him hanging on his every word and he'll be uniting the world and under one name one power one authority one government one religion he will teach them that they're gods but he is the god and they all will start worshiping him and loving him and he'll move peace in the middle east and they'll build a third temple for him because they'll believe that he's the messiah they'll believe that he is the christ they'll believe that he is god you're going to see that. You're going to hear that. It's going to happen. No matter what the agnostic atheists and God haters and Bible deniers say. No matter what the delusional think. No matter what the pagans and heathens promote. The word of God is specific. These things will happen. Are you ready? are you ready you can argue this all you want you can say whatever you want but the point stands are you ready repent and believe the gospel for the kingdom of heaven is at hand it's right in front of you it's holding out its hand to you it's asking you to believe Jesus Christ, the gospel of Jesus Christ, the gospel of the kingdom of God, holds out its hand and says, will you believe? Will you repent of your sins and believe the gospel? The kingdom of God is right in front of you. And when you believe on the light, on the truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ, the kingdom of God is within you. The spirit of Christ dwells in the heart of every believer. Are you ready? Angela says, but the Christians won't like him, so how can all the world love him? The world. We are not of this world. We're not of this world. The word of God flat out says, specifics, we are not of this world. The world, the unsaved, the world will love him. We are not of this world. We will not. Specifics. You look at the meanings of the specifics. So there you go. So we're not of this world. We're separated. We're called out. We're different. We're not of this world. We are citizens of a different kingdom. We're not of this world. This world is dead in sin, lost in sin, is corrupted and condemned to die. It is still in its sins. That which is of darkness, that which is of sin, will love him which is the father of sin and evil and darkness. But we are of the light. We have nothing to do with the darkness. We are not of this world. We are separated. So there you go. All right, so any other comments, questions, issues, insights? And that wraps up Luke chapter 17. Yep. All right, so that wraps up Luke 17. Are you ready? It's coming and it's coming fast. It's coming like a freight train. You better you better get ready and get out of the way. The only way to get out of the way is to believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. So there you go. So that's Luke 17. I hope you found that uh, helpful and a blessing and encouragement. I hope this uh, was informative for you. So again, go study the specifics of the word of God. Study the specifics. What does it say? And uh, ask questions. Study it out. Pair scripture, scripture. Interpret the Bible from the Bible. Not what someone else says. Look at the verses. Look at the scriptures. Look at all these things. What does it say? What does it show us? So there you go. There you go. So if there's any other comments, questions, issues, insights, please go ahead and ask away. I'd be glad to hear from you. Um, 
Now, again, like I said, if you are interested in knowing more about the book of Revelation, please go watch our series that we have. Um, and the Bible study in the book of Revelation with Pastor Paul. Yeah, he did excellent, excellent work. Excellent study. A full walk through of the book of Revelation. He's a specialist on it. Uh, he spent so, so many years studying Revelation and, and, and cross-referencing and studying it all and laying all. Look, this is what it says. And he walks you word by word by verse by point all the way through the entire book of Revelation, pairing it with scripture only. Pairing it with scripture only. It is so incredible. It's so informative. There's so much information. It's insane. So please go watch the series, the, the, the Bible study in the book of Revelation with Pastor Paul. He did a class style study series where he just breaks it all down for you. You can take notes and study it all out. Go give that a listen. It'll blow your socks off. It, it is so powerful. So um, with that, I guess we'll just wrap it up there. Uh, thank you so much for joining in. God bless you, folks. If you if you appreciate these studies, please give us a like, give us a thumbs up. Make sure you subscribe, hit notification bell icon, see when we put up new videos, and check out all our other videos. We got tons of other uh, goodies and stuff, as well as check out our website, ChristianCoffeeTime.ca. And we got links to all our other platforms and other goodies and stuff. So I'm, I hope that you'll check that out and take advantage of that. And yeah, so there we go. Um. Angela says, it seems there will have to be less Christians before the Antichrist can come. Yes, actually. The great falling away, we'll, we'll see this. And the scriptures say, when Christ comes again, will, will he even find faith in the earth? And that uh, the great falling away with this is that the remnant will be very small. Like in the Old Testament, when Elijah went to speak with the Lord on Mount Horeb, and, and Elijah says, Lord, I'm the only one left who has not bowed the knee to, to Baal. And God says, no, there are 7,000 others that have not bowed the knee. Out of all Israel, of the millions and millions of people in the entire nation of Israel, only 7,000? Only 7,000 in all of Israel were left. It, that that is a foreshadowing that's a foreshadowing we will feel like we're the only ones left like like you could walk for miles and miles and days and weeks and months and years and hardly find another christian it's going to be like that that in all the world there will only be a few it, it's going to be quite shocking that's what scripture shows the specifics of scripture so with that God bless you. Hope to see you again. God bless all those who love our Lord God, Jesus Christ. God bless all those who love his holy word. Hope to see you again, folks. And as always, if I don't see you again, I'll see you in the sky. God bless.